Are you going to pull those pistols or whistle Dixie?
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune for this episode, February the 18th, 2017. It is an honor and a blessing to be with you tonight talking about all of the news that has gone on for this this week, just this week alone. Uh, Brian uh, seems to be missing in action tonight. I'm not quite sure where he's at, uh, but don't worry. I'm sure as, as soon as he gets up and running, he will be right along. Let's start this episode out in Turkey, shall we? Uh, there is a Marmara province that's in Turkey, ladies and gentlemen. This was released on the 6th. They've had 749 earthquakes uh, hit, and it is just an absolutely amazing earthquake swarm. Um, the first waves uh, of earthquakes was recorded on February 6th at 6.51 a.m. in the province of Atak district with a 5.3 magnitude tumbler, of what followed by yet another one of the same magnitude at about – Uh, 13.58 p.m. Same day, the latest major quake occurred on February 12th of the same magnitude, according to the AFAD. A number of buildings in the region were damaged, and many locals uh, settled in tent cities set up near a village which was severely damaged by the quakes. So this is pretty significant. Uh, the fault lines running uh, through the region cannot cannot discharge their tension. Uh, so an earthquake with a magnitude of at least six are expected for the next 15 to 20 days. He also announced uh, 500,000 buildings uh, would be constructed in 2018 as part of the urban transformation pilot projects aiming to build safe and secure buildings. So – Ladies and gentlemen, this is off the charts to have that many earthquakes in such a very short span of time. Uh, So absolutely off the charts uh, there with earthquakes there in Turkey. Um, And this goes uh, on to something that has just been discovered here in the United States. Uh, This came from Fox News this week. A vast lake of molten carbon discovered under the western U.S. Scientists have discovered a huge reservoir of molten carbon deep beneath the western United States. The research was conducted by geologists at the Department of Earth Sciences in Royal Holloway University in London in the U.K. Located the deep, deep earth area of melting carbon that spans almost 695,000 square miles. Experts harnessed the world's largest array of seismic sensors to map the vast reservoir, which is 217 miles below the Earth's surface, according to Royal Holloway. The 583 sensors measured the Earth's vibrations to create a picture of the area's deep subsurface. The study, which is published in Earth and Planetary Science Letters, indicates the Earth contains much more carbon than previously thought. It would be impossible for us to drill far enough down to physically see the Earth's mantle. So using this massive group of sensors, we have to paint a picture of it using mathematical equations to interpret what is beneath us. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this thing is huge, and 
it has them seriously, uh, seriously worried. Uh, as a result of the study, the scientists now understand that the amount of carbon dioxide in the Earth's upper mantle, which forms most of the Earth's interior, may be up to 100 million metric tons. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, talk about something to be concerned about. Uh, if that was to blow, it would be absolutely uh, game over, no doubt about it. Um, and along these same lines, on our side of the planet, um, down in uh, Brazil, the deforestation uh, has increased to 30% in 12 months, the agency says. We're going to take uh, a look at that right after we get um, Brian on the line here. He seems to have popped on. Uh, Brian, hey, how is it going tonight? Uh, have computer problems over there, did you? Yeah, a momentary glitch, so I don't know what was going on. All right, well, it's uh, good to have you in the saddle. Uh, let's continue with this article, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rio de Janeiro. In the 12-month period that ended last August, deforestation in Brazil increased 30%. It's an all-time record that was set off loud alarm among scientists, environmentalists, and anyone who knows that the region is not only the so-called lung of the planet, but also home to about 2.5 million species of insects, tens of thousands of plants, and 2,000 birds and animals. According to the latest report by the National Institute for Space Research, the Brazilian agency that monitors the deforestation began in July 2015 and August 2016. Roughly 3,100 square miles went up in smoke, mostly to give way to farmland and further cement the country's position as the world's top exporter of meat products. So this is what has me concerned, ladies and gentlemen, that they gutted all of these trees uh, to make way... Uh, for ranches, uh, beef ranches. But when you take out 3,100 square miles right there, which this area, like I said, I read it straight from the article, is considered to be the lung of the planet. Do not expect this to just uh, go unnoticed uh, by the environment. It's going to have serious ramifications uh, somewhere up ahead, to say the least. So I wanted to ask Brian, uh, did you hear about the 749 earthquakes they had uh, since February 6th there in Turkey in this region that's uh, right there by the health spot, not too far from uh, where you can – of course, Alexander the Great crossed uh, over into Turkey. Have you heard anything about that, and what's your thoughts on it, by the way? <clears throat> no, I have not heard anything about that. Me. It's just absolutely amazing that they would have that many earthquakes in that short of a time. So they're expecting uh, something huge uh, to happen there, Bri. But uh, now that you're in the saddle, 
Uh, I know you were wanting to talk about political things yesterday. You want to jump right into that right now, or you want me to continue with what I'm reading? Because I've got plenty here I can read. Stay on your track. Stay on your track at the moment. Okay. All right. We are going to uh, head over to Fish Kills uh, for the moment. This one came out this week. Uh, Dozens of owls uh, showing up along uh, I-84 in Idaho. It's like they fell from the sky. Uh, This is from Jerome, Idaho. It comes out of KBOI. Dozens of dead owls have been reported by drivers along Interstate 84 in southern Idaho, making for an eerie stretch of road. Over the weekend, uh, there were residents there driving home from Boise, uh, when they spotted uh, some roadkill along the interstate. I saw a bird on the side of the road. I thought it was a chicken, Miller said. Uh, but when we saw more and the stripes and the feathers, and it was not a chicken. It was definitely an owl, she said. And there wasn't only one. Miller said that she and Christina lost count after spotting more than 50 dead owls during a 20-mile stretch near Jerome. There was more and more and more, Miller said. Idaho Fish and Game told KBOI Channel 2 News on Monday that they're aware of the dead owls, and so what the heck is going on? It's a simple explanation, and it's not a terribly uncommon occurrence. And here we go again, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so sick and tired of the lamestream media doing this. What do you mean uh, that this is not a terribly uncommon occurrence? Ladies and gentlemen, I assure you, this is not natural. This, is, this does not happen any day. If it did happen every day, every month, even every year, there wouldn't be any owls in Idaho. So it just irritates me when every time you see this, and then they make up some really intelligent fiction for you to peddle. This is what he goes on to say. Mike Keckler, Idaho Fish and Game spokesman, uh, says that hungry owls are becoming victims of roadkill when they target mice along the interstate. Really? Really? And it's a deadly situation when you've got vehicles traveling 85 miles an hour. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, hey, hey. The eyewitnesses are from Idaho. They've never seen dead owls just clustered along the roads. So, ladies and gentlemen, you you have to keep your eye out because even when they do tell you, they turn around and try to tell you that it is normal when it obviously is not. Uh, On to a fish kill that happened in Vietnam. I'm very lucky to get this. It was passed along to me. Um, There have been massive uh, amounts of dead fish that have washed up. Uh, They believed it is linked to Formosa, Uh, A company whose toxic spill largely killed a a large quantity of fish in the ocean last year. Uh, A resident there said he discovered the dead fish scattered in different sections of the river. 
Yuan said residents buried the fish in a nearby field. Now, why did they do this? Ladies and gentlemen, well, of course, that is perfect fertilizer for their fields. So at least you get it here that they tried to blame it on something that happened uh, last year when obviously it is not. Um, this happened at the lower part of the river, which is right there by the sea. Uh, so this is just building and building and building and building uh, with these bird and fish deaths. It just blows me away. It really does. But uh, Brian, what's your what's your thoughts? On you know, because I got more to cover. There's there's more bird and fish kills, and all of them say the same thing. Um, you know, yeah, that's 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 normal. No, it's not uncommon. What do you mean it's not uncommon? It it. I don't know why they continue with this mantra uh, that everything is normal, when obviously it's not. Your thoughts. Uh, well, with the current state of the constant amount of animal kills like this, you almost have to kind of, sadly enough, it's becoming the norm. And that's what's bothersome. You know, we've had this massive uptick this week as this uh, monstrosity of a uh, coronal rip is facing planet side as we speak. And it's been causing all kinds of chaos and destruction uh, in its midst. And, I mean, I've watched the size of this uh, coronal hole for the last few months as it continued to open and open and open as if the sun's beginning its phases of being covered in sackcloth as we speak. Well, that's a new one on me, Brian. I haven't been watching about any coronal hole. Um, and that's the honest truth. So you're catching me by surprise. So are you thinking that's what's causing the, well, I don't know what to call it, the deluge that's occurring in uh, in California? You think that's got something to do with it? It's got a high probability, I would say. You know, on to other strange news. Um, this comes from a YouTube channel. Uh, I picked up on him last week on my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, he's called Mr. MBB333. And he caught this himself uh, last week. Let's see here. On the 14th, um, he was watching the seismographs across the United States. It started in the Caribbean. Now, what is strange is he does the jot and tittle here, Brian. He shows you, um, starting out in the Caribbean, and he shows this pulse uh, that occurs. Uh, and he walks you across the United States. It took about three or four minutes for this pulse to go all the way across the United States. And it seriously has me scratching my head because he showed the Caribbean, then he showed... Pennsylvania, then he showed the mid of the country, then he went all the way to the west coast. And this thing took about three minutes to traverse the entire country. It was a wave that went 
all the way across the United States. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't even know what to make of that. I really don't. I have no idea uh, what to make of that or, Brian, what would even cause that? Uh, this wave obviously was pulmigating through the entire crust of the Earth's surface. Uh, with no event horizon for this shockwave. Uh, he, of course, checked for earthquakes, you know, that could have been the point of origin. There was none. Now, this was a lateral wave, ladies and gentlemen, that was going across the surface of the Earth. So it was not emanating from underneath. So I don't even know what to make of it. Uh, but he caught it, and uh, he does a pretty good job. We've, in the past, used uh, some other uh, YouTube news reporters, but uh, when you take a look at, at his videos, he actually does a pretty good job. Uh, so I'm going to keep my eye on him, and we might report more uh, on this. But let me say him one more time. It's Mr. MBB333. Uh, pretty interesting. Uh, to have this sort of wave go across the surface instead of coming up from underneath, uh, pretty significant. I have no idea what would do that, really, um, across the entire United States like that. They, they normally don't travel that way. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, pretty, pretty significant. I'm not sure uh, what even the point of origin would be. It would have must have been the tectonic plates out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, I would guess, uh, that works its way down uh, along the continental shelf. But <clears throat> very strange. Now, we've got another one here uh, that was released on the 14th. Warm ocean water triggered vast seabird die-off. After tens of thousands of common murrays, an abundant North Pacific seabird starved and washed ashore on beaches from California to Alaska. Researchers have pinned the cause to unusually warm ocean temperatures that affected the tiny fish they eat. Elevated temperatures in seawater affected wildlife in a pair of major marine ecosystems along the West Coast in Canada, said Piat a research wildlife biologist for the U.S. Geological Survey. Uh, these birds are an indicator to the region's health. If tens of thousands of them are dying, it's because there's no fish out there anywhere over a very large area. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, How much can the ocean take, and how much is it going to be before we're up to that one-third mark? Because Brian and I reported over a year ago that fishermen in the North Atlantic were fighting over fish. So this is, this is pretty, pretty significant. When you have – says right here that – 
the federal researchers counted the carcasses of 46,000 dead birds in Alaska and another 6,000 in California, Oregon, and Washington. Now look, ladies and gentlemen, that's the, just the ones they picked up. So this is off the charts. Um, just off the charts. Now this is from Gary over at the Big Wobble. Uh, you're probably all familiar with him. Uh, we use him quite a lot. This is just going to rattle your cage in New Zealand. More horror. After 400 whales stranded on a beach in New Zealand resulting in 300 deaths and 240 more show up. Uh, so this is off the chart. An absolute disaster has struck New Zealand. After around 400 whales were found thrashing tails in distress and stranded on a beach on Thursday causing the death of around 300 whales. The situation worsened this morning when another 240 arrived in the same place, causing more chaos for the many volunteers trying desperately to refloat the desperate whales. Earlier on Saturday, volunteers had refloated uh, 100 of the more than 400 pilot whales that had beached on Thursday. But a human chain without volunteers wading neck deep in the water failed to prevent a fresh pod making landfall. The stranding now involving around 640 whales is thought to be one of the worst ever in the world. More than 300 of the 400 original arrivals died while medics and members of the public tried to keep survivors alive by cooling them with water. It is hoped that those of these new arrivals that survive can be moved back out to sea during the next high tide in daylight on Sunday. It is not clear why the whales continue to arrive over the five-kilometer-long beach into Golden Bay. One theory is that they have been driven on the land by sharks after bite marks were found on one of the dead whales. Herb Christophers of the New, England, New Zealand's Department of Conservation told the BBC that the whales were trying to get around the top of the South Island, but if their navigation went wrong, they ended up on the beach. In the shallower waters, the animal's use of the echolocation was impaired. It's a very difficult place if you get lost in here and you're a whale. I guess my first question would be, would be how, in the name of the Lord, would their echolocation go awry? But this is just off the charts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, talk about a devastating, uh, devastating fish kill. Um, and it seems to be uh, that Idaho is just getting hammered here as of late. Um, this come out this week. Right around the same time of all the dead owls, of the dead owls dropping out of the sky, a flooding leads more Idaho counties to interstate disaster declaration. The Jim State has been hit. Uh, Brian, why don't you take over for a second? All right. Let's see, what do I want to look at first here? 
trying to stroll through some of these uh, latest breaking stories here from the last week. Uh, we had a large Islamic State terror attack that happened in Pakistan this week. Now, as of yesterday, the reports coming in were listing uh, 72 people were killed at a, uh, was a uh, what do you call it, Sufi shrine that was in uh, La Shabiz Kalandar shrine in southern Sindh province in Pakistan. All well, the numbers are up to 83 now. And in response in last week here, Pakistan has killed 100 terrorists after the suicide shrine attack. ISIS also stepped up attacks hitting Baghdad. See, this happened on Friday on the 17th. 51 killed as Islamic State escalates insurgency. What else do we got going on here? Of course, Trump has fired up the Hezbollah with the uh, dealings now coming out this week after Netanyahu's meeting with President Trump here in the United States as they... This is getting rather confusing the more you look at it because it was stated during the uh, talks there about scrapping the two-state solution. Now it seems like it's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in the media saying, well, we're for keeping the two-state solution. No, we're against the two-state solution. So it, as is atypical in this day and age, the media is all kinds of absolute confusion. Nobody seems to know what's going on. Now, this one ought to be a little bit alarming as far as the economy is concerned because this is what crashed the oil industry as is last year. When the embargoes were lifted on Iran, they flooded the market with oil. Well, they've found over 2 billion barrels worth of shale oil reserves in the western province in Iran. So this could be even more troubling and will further possibly drop the price of oil. West Mosul residents told battle is imminent as Iraqi forces begin moving. So they've already cleared out East Mosul and they're beginning to get ready to go in and take West Mosul. And this is obviously in part what has to do with the flare-ups that are happening in other places with the attacks going on as we speak. Plus Astana has still got the Uh, Talks going on concerning peace in Syria, and by the looks of things, Turkey and a rebel group from Syria came in and basically caused all kinds of chaos and confusion and made it so they couldn't even come to any agreements very late in the talks this week. And Matthew, you happen to be back, or... Yeah, I'm uh, I'm back for the minute anyway. Uh, still people coming and going out of the van, but it'll be all right. You know, <clears throat> Brian, that's the question. What's what's going to happen here? Um, like I said, I got that article last night that I talked about uh, that Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, Trump had talked about creating a state in the Sinai. And this is just off the charts because I ain't going to fly because has everybody forgotten, Bri, that they are citizens of Jordan? Well, they really exactly. are. 
So, and then all of a sudden we come out with mixed reports about what they're going to do with the embassy. You know, my wife said something to me about it, and I said, well, I hope they do. If you want to get this shindig on the road, that's what you do. You move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, where it goes. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you're, you were hoping for one thing, but let us remember what the standard of the Assyrian was. It's the same thing as your U.S. military. It's, just, it's the same thing. It is the bird of prey. Now, this is the same thing that, of course, Antiochus Epiphanes marched into Jerusalem with. It's the same thing that Titus marched into Jerusalem with. And Israel is directly defying the UN resolution that their settlements are illegal. You have to understand what, what really is at play here. The land has been divided into promise and non-promise parcels. And November the 29th of this year marks the 70th anniversary of doing that. And... I think we're all going to find out just absolutely amazing how much can happen between now and November 29th. I mean, we just had uh, this big meeting of all these countries that gathered together in the name of dividing the land. So the world is basically unanimous against Israel. Now, all you have to have done is one little treacherous act. I, I hope you all realize what has happened to the United States military. The soldiers on the ground right now in Iraq and Afghanistan and all those, you do know they're under the leadership of the UN, right? Do you realize Trump could pay a major Trump card? You realize he could give all these useful idiots a good excuse. Something was to happen, uh, something major. Let's say something major in Damascus. Of course, Donald Trump could come out later and say that, well, they were under UN commanders and they attacked Israel. Of course, they would all be driving U.S. tanks, firing U.S. missiles. Bombarding the promised land with U.S. artillery shells. Have we all forgotten that? Uh, we put the bill for all of the U.N. weapons. I mean, they all have M-16s. They all have standard-issue United States-made manufactured grenades. They all fire the 5.56 5 
ammunition that we give them, all of them. Now, people in the military are greatly disturbed about this, that they will go over there and they'll be underneath the command of a UN general. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that this current president don't turn treacherous. Because if he does, it'll be disastrous. That's what I think about it, Brian. Um, so come on back in here and give your comments about what I just said, because that's how I see it, man. Um, people just don't realize what's been done. They just don't. This whole string of events that's happened here nonstop over the last few weeks is just, it's painting a bullseye right over the top of Israel as we speak, and it just continues to escalate and escalate and escalate more. We've had the uh, flare-up with the um, building orders there inside of Israel, which has got the entire international community up in arms. Um You know, just as we brought up this, the teeter-tottering going on about the embassy while we were... During the program last night, we had news stories that were being updated from back in the middle of January within the last 10 to 20 hours, and we had news stories being released that were saying the embassy is going to be moved, then we'd have another one saying, no, it's not, and it's just, it's round and round we seem to go with all the varied news reports that keep coming out concerning these areas, you know, and they're firing up, Hezbollah and Hamas are getting fired up even more. You know, we had the attack come from Islamic State out of Egypt, where they fired missiles into Israel last week. So it's, thing just keeps building and building and building, and if it continues on its current course, it's going nowhere good and fast. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. We talked about it in private last night. Um... Ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize that, technically speaking, Israel could declare war on Egypt right now because missiles were fired from Egypt that hit Israel. Is everybody forgetting that? That ISIS, they come and they go as they see fit. I mean, what happens in Mosul if ISIS gets some long-range missiles? And all of a sudden, all the radar operators and all the airports would be able to prove this in the Middle East. They'd all be able to prove it. That missiles came from Mosul and took out Jerusalem. No, Nobody could argue with it. Whether it was ISIS or not would be irrelevant. I hope everybody understands what I'm saying here. I mean, the same thing could happen in Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan, India region. Tensions are already very high between India and Pakistan. And now all of a sudden, ISIS shows up in that region? All they got to do is start lobbing missiles. I mean, they could send a group into India to launch missiles at Pakistan. They could send... 
members into Pakistan and fire into India, and the poor Indians and the Pakistanis would be no the wiser. You could have a world war event perpetrated by nobody, yet everybody would be blamed for it. So when you look at it in that context, it's a little worrying, Brian, to say the least. Uh, to say the least. Well, even the people with just the don't the media is a fog at the moment, they'd be able to get away with it so quickly, it would be ridiculous. Yeah, it'd be lickety split. It'd be like no problem whatsoever. And this coincides right with this this fake news exploding across the media. And I've been watching posts on Facebook. Brian, that's what's got me worried. There's a lot of people commenting that they don't trust the news anymore. And we've been having polls come out here lately. I think the one I just seen not too long ago said that only 30% of the Canadians believe what they're told. And that's just off charts. So your thoughts on that? What happens when an event like this happens and the normal person don't trust the news anymore? That could be catastrophic, don't you think? Well, the perfect uh... – Perfect fog of war has been created, and you used that terminology a little bit back there of useful idiot, and some of the listeners out there may not understand what that exactly is. That's a, well, it's a CIA or espionage term that basically different varied forms of propaganda that are being put out there, people, these are the people that jump on board and Easily spout it and use it. Um, you know, people have noticed that over the course of the last few years. I, 90% of the time I see something from a conspiracy site, it's just I automatically click forget it. Because there's no substantiated, uh, verifiable evidence behind their claims. Now, in the last week, let's see, last weekend I reported on two Fake stories that came out of a major media outlet, that being Fox. Well, I turned around and saw a third one come out again that had no evidence to even uh, substantiate it. Not to even mention on top of it, they were using news clips claiming there was a terrorist, multiple terror cells in multiple states in training enclaves, like I said, throughout the United States. And yet they're using footage from the Middle East to back up their claims. And then under the ticker there is some kind of Christian news source was behind it. You know, folks, logic dictates dictates if we have up to five different radical Islamic enclaves here in the United States, Department of Homeland Security, NSA, somebody's going to do something about it to shut it down. So, you know, where it comes into this terminology like I brought up before, useful idiot, you can choose to be a useful idiot or you can choose to think. It's really gotten to the point where it's all of these news stories, you've got to sit there and 
look over them with a fine-tooth comb and kind of ask yourself, is there any logic at all with this? And it's coming from every angle now. Well, the question is, is, is what is the purpose of this? I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is just, like I said, mass confusion. And I don't see how mass confusion could, is beneficial to anybody, actually, except the system itself. You know, that's, that's the only logical conclusion you can come to. It's it's worrying. Uh, this, you know, like that article I read earlier about the owls. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> what an off the chart statement for this guy to come out and tell the people that I that live in Idaho that this event's not uncommon. Owls fall out of the sky all the time. It was obvious what these two eyewitnesses were seeing were in the hundreds. And this didn't make it to national news. This was only released in Idaho itself. So... Who does this serve? Well, we talked a little bit about that on last night's program. I mean, you think, ladies and gentlemen, that we gave uh, Israel a $38 billion military package. No, we didn't. They just laundered money for us because they turned right around and bought all U.S. hardware, including these F-22 fighter jets, which was what did I get? Off that article, it was $121 million apiece. So they took money that we printed and gave it to our corporations. It's just, that's all Israel did was just launder the money. That's all they did. I know one thing, uh, people don't realize that, you know, I've mentioned several times these Dolphin class attack subs that are manufactured in Germany. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you do realize that there is such a thing as a nuclear-tipped Tomahawk cruise missile. I mean, don't you understand what I'm saying? One of those Dolphin class attack subs, if it shot its wad, fired 10 nuclear-tipped Tomahawk cruise missiles in the middle of the night from beneath the waves. There would be no evading it. It would basically take out Turkey. I mean, all you have to do is target the coast. Everybody knows that upwards of 80% of the population lives along the coast. I mean, you basically... Render an entire country useless. 
Does anybody know how much one of those Dolphin class attack subs cost? More importantly, does anybody care? That's that's the question. Because let let me say this again. It's money laundering. It's it's money laundering. It's what it is. And it's amazing that people don't realize what's going on. Uh, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, um, it amazes me that people can't put two and two together. You know, it amazes me. Does anybody know that one of those Dolphin-class attack submarines is called the Leviathan? (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to think about what's really going on. They're just money laundering for the big corporations. Now, if one F-22 cost $121 million, ladies and gentlemen, how much do you think one of those submarines cost? So when you look at it in that light, it gets very disturbing to think about. Really disturbing to think about. Let's share this now that we're talking about Israel. <clears throat> this came out in IsraelNationalNews.com uh, um, on the 12th. American immigrant denied citizenship over Temple Mount visit. American Olu's citizenship application was denied over an arrest on the Temple Mount. Police have since closed the case. Problem solved. A resident of Jerusalem who applied for citizenship under the law of return was stunned to find his citizenship application opposed by the Interior Ministry because he was previously arrested on the Temple Mount, an arrest for which he is currently suing the police, the Hanu Legal Organization reported. A Haredi Torah scholar from the U.S. who has worked and studied in Jerusalem for the past three years, and who married an Israeli woman and has Israeli children, was arrested two years ago when he ascended the Temple Mount on suspicion of interfering with police officer and disturbing the peace on the Temple Mount. He was represented in court by a lawyer from a legal aid group, which argued that he had been arrested without cause and demand that he be released unconditionally. Ladies and gentlemen, the law of return is very clear. Um, you can imagine his shock, his surprise. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, this has been going on for 70 years now. 
You think the state of Israel was created? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. There is no promised land outside of the apple of God's eye, outside of that temple mount. No, what they actually did was divide it into promise slash non-promise parcels. That's what they did. It's just you haven't been told that. It's been drilled into your head that the state of Israel was created. No, it wasn't. It was divided, not created. You know, as far as the Jews are concerned, 10 square feet that occupies the foundation stone, if that was declared the only territory in the state of Israel, the Jews would be just fine with it. And they all know, as long as that's not in Israel, that is not the promised land. They'll tell you this directly to your face. Even the women of the Kotel is adamant about this, as, of course, they all try to gather around Robinson's Arch, which reminds me of another Facebook post that me and Brian had to deal with. It, it, it's pretty bad when people deny that Robinson's Arch exists. No, ladies and gentlemen, that is an answer to the prophecy in the gospel. As Jesus and the disciples were walking out of the Temple Mount, they exited the portico of Solomon from Robinson's Arch. He was literally standing right there, and those were the very stones he was looking at when he was talking. And everybody knows this except American Christians, and it blows me away. But even the women of the cartel know full well, no, this ain't the promised land. We want that 10 square feet in which the foundation stone occupies. Nothing else matters. It's not the promised land until that is included in Israel. So you've been duped into believing the state of Israel was created. No, it wasn't. It was divided 70 years ago. So please do yourself a quick read of Zechariah chapter 1. Pay particularly close attention to what the angel petitions the Lord God Most High about. It's, it's, it's important for you to know and understand what the Bible actually says. It's pretty important. So, Brian, your thoughts on that before we take a break here. It's at the top of the hour. As for me, I'm fighting a pretty good cold, so I could stand to break. My throat is sore. But what's your thought on that, Brian, that these people don't even realize that the land was divided 70 years ago? It wasn't parceled out into the promised land. It never was. What's your thoughts on that? Well, exactly, and I mean that's what all of this is really technically speaking about is – um, you know, regaining some uh, Samaria and uh, Judea, and that's where all the big, big events have been taking place throughout the last week with these new building policies. I just pulled up a story. Let's see, where is that one? The regulation law is basically uh, what this is being called. And it's about to be brought forward, I believe, in the Israeli court. They're trying to call it unconstitutional. 
And, you know, this is basically the same thing we saw show up last week, and that's even a further move. Once, it, You know, if the United States moves the embassy to Jerusalem, well, that to the world is proclaiming Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So that's why this is such a big deal, and it's just going to keep intensifying and heating up here the further we go along. I don't see how I can do anything else but heat up. Um, speaking of heating up, we got a little bit more to talk about after the break, ladies and gentlemen, as far as volcanoes go. Um, and most particularly, a very famous volcano uh, that the researchers themselves on the ground, uh, I've always appreciated uh, what they have called this, because they do call it the gateway to hell. That's what they call this volcano. That's that's its proper name. In Erta Ali, Ethiopia. This this is what they call it. It's been having well, we'll discuss it after this short break, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back after eleven minutes and twenty four seconds. You're listening to the End Time Tribune, baby.
We live in a world of unknowing, of secrets, of blindness. But what if you were to find out that the very earth was crumbling beneath your feet, even as we speak? What if I were to tell you that America had deep, dark secrets kept from the public since its inception? What if unexplained phenomena had already been explained thousands of years ago? From a supposed natural disaster to fabled UFOs, it's going to be brought into the light with the one single document that is a testament to the evidence of the future history of this planet. The End Time Tribune brings you the news of the coming apocalypse and cast light into the future darkness. Come and see.
Good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. That is good stuff. Welcome to the broadcast after the break. You're listening to the End Time Tribune as Brian and I try to plow through all this news. Let's just uh, get going right off the top of the bat here. This was uh, released uh, in ScienceAlert.com a day before yesterday. Nearby earthquakes are opening up Africa's gateway to hell volcano. NASA satellite imagery has spotted a few cracks opening up near Africa's gateway to hell, more officially known as the Ertel Al volcano in Ethiopia. Scientists think nearby tectonic activity is causing large amounts of lava to spill out of the large flat shield volcano, which features two lava lakes that have been bubbling and burning for decades. It's one of the most spectacular sites in the natural world. Uh, not that you'd want to get too close to lava temperatures inside these cauldrons, reaching as high as 2,012 degrees Fahrenheit. According to eyewitness reports, the lava leaks, <clears throat> the lava lake levels have risen significantly over the past few weeks, producing massive overflows and intense splattering on top of the new fissures captured by NASA satellite on the southwestern flank of the volcano. Uh, 4.3 miles from the summit. You can plainly see, ladies and gentlemen, in this in this article, the satellite imagery from space, uh, the two gateways to hell, um, they've increased significantly in size. Uh, and let me read this about this very picture. The picture above was captured by NASA's operational land imager camera on board the Landsat 8 satellite. It combines natural color and shortwave infrared light signals to identify smoke plumes as well as area of increased temperature that would normally be invisible to the naked eye. However, as of right now, uh, you can see them from space with the naked eye. So here we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, things really ramping up and more about Earth changes. This from the Dead Sea. As the Dead Sea dries, its collapsing shores force a return to nature. A red fox climbs out of a gaping hole in the earth, tiptoeing over crumbling sidewalls dotted with old street lamps that lean at crazy angles. Just two years ago, the Engeti Beach was filled with children slurping on popsicles and parents lugging coolers down to the water's edge. But when massive sinkholes began swallowing the beach, humans beat a hasty retreat and the area became the fox's domain. Sinkholes, sudden dangerous pits that form when rock beneath the surface is dissolved by groundwater, first began to appear around the Dead Sea in the late 80s, caused by the rapid decline of the body of water. Today, the water level is dropping more than three feet per year. In 1990, there were a little over 100 sinkholes, according to the Geological Survey of Israel. Since 2005, the situation has been critical, with an explosion in the number of sizes of sinkholes. Today, there are more than 6,000, with new ones showing up daily. Daily. So, uh, why haven't we heard about this before, Bri, because I don't ever remember I, – I know we've talked about the Dead Sea a couple of times, but I never knew that literally the beach 
had been consumed there at Ingeti by sinkholes. Uh, that's off charts, to say the least. Uh, just off the charts as far as I'm concerned, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I don't even know what to say uh, about that. And me and Brian needs to talk a little bit about this, too, about this huge sinkhole that opened up uh, in a California uh, dam. Now, they thought it was going to get critical and blow out, but it didn't, so I don't know what the current situation of it is. But, ladies and gentlemen, these sinkholes continue to pop up. And nobody's realizing that uh, this dam creates a lake uh, by impeding the Feather River. They do this for illicit purpose of generating hydroelectric power. So if you lose the dam, you lose the citizens down below, and you also lose the power. But... uh, what do you have to say about this literal deluge? Um, it's hard to talk about a specific location, but it's not just going on here. It's also going in on in Australia as well. I think the last article I looked at, they'd had a month's worth of rain dumped on them in two hours. Two hours. So, Brian, what have you heard about... Uh, this deluge we've been going through here lately. Have you been looking at any news along those lines? Well, I've seen it mentioned all over the place, but it's like I said last week, when we have massive melt-off happening up towards the North, well, what was the North Pole? Sorry, folks, it shifted. We have this massive melt-off happening. Well, that, folks, that all goes into the clouds and around and is rained down. So that tells me this is the cause, and all this massive rain that we see coming down is obviously the effect, and some regions are getting hit with massive snowstorms. Um, we had the whole northeastern part of the United States hit with a snowstorm. I had just, when scrolling through Israeli news, I noticed there was one spot there that was hit with snow. We've had snow hitting in some very odd places all throughout the world, so... Yeah, it's literally been all over the place. Um, But the pictures I keep seeing are just off the charts, man. I mean, literally deluges, man. It's just disturbing to look at. But we've... Oh, my goodness, the news is just so deep. It's it's crazy. Um, But now... uh, By the way... um, Manatees keep uh, washing up in Florida as well, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think I want to cover uh, those. But this actually has the scientists wanting to see if they can actually artificially freeze the Arctic regions back, Brian. They're actually talking about it. Now, if that doesn't get everybody's attention, I don't know what will. Um, 
But when I saw the article, I was just like, what? Surely they're not that crazy. I mean, surely they're not that crazy, but this is for real. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I could I could just go on and on and on with the amount of animal deaths that we've incurred. Um, I mean, I'm taking a look here uh, at this one article uh, from the Gulf of Nicaea. You can't even see the beach, ladies and gentlemen. It's just covered in fish. Um, something terrible uh, is going on with both the bird and fish populations. And we have signs to the left, to the right. Um, in Costa Rica, here goes another one. Thousands of dead fish have washed up on Costa Rica's shores. This was released yesterday. So uh, we talked earlier about the crack uh, occurring in Antarctica's uh, Brunei shell. Now they're picking it up on satellite, ladies and gentlemen, and they've named this the Halloween crack. Uh, absolutely off the charts. Uh, and this is what really uh, caught my attention, too, with all this deluge. I did want to talk about it. This comes uh, from the Los Angeles Times, ladies and gentlemen, but record drought plus record rain equals toppled trees. How do you know if your tree is in trouble? Um, at the Elysian Park near Dodger Stadium last weekend, hikers walked all their dogs along a popular hiking trail unconcerned by recently toppled trees. But with more winter storms predicted, the news of a 100-year-old pine tree falling on a house in Pasadena on Tuesday is hard for homeowners to be equally nonchalant. Extended drought followed by heavy rains are causing root instabilities. Trees aren't just falling, they're falling over. And you take a look at the pictures, if you do a search for the pictures of this incident. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the trees are just, they're just falling. Uh, because you can't go from absolutely no rain of a drought. Everybody knows that California's been in a drought. Then go right into a deluge. That's what's going to happen. Uh, it's going to take out all the trees. So I I don't know. This is just amazing. Um, of course, down in Sydney, uh, Sydney, along with these storms, came a hail, uh, fifty centimeters in diameter, raining down on Sydney. Which is not known for hail. You take a look at the climate data for Sydney, and this just gets more worrying and more worrying and more worrying as we progress down along this, whatever it is. Because this is all going somewhere, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, this one uh, was released uh, yesterday. Kilometers of Kulaloa coastline covered in dead fish, and nobody knows why it's happened. And it's just the beach, and they're talking, of course, miles. 
they use the metric system, so they say kilometers, but it's just all over it. It's it's getting off the charts, and I wanted to ask Brian, did you take a look at the big news uh, that was uh, released uh, that Mark Zuckerberg did uh, that owns Facebook? This is straight from The Guardian. Mark Zuckerberg pins major Facebook manifesto on how to burst the bubble. Did you read that article, Brian, or did you want to talk about it at all? I didn't even look at it. I forgot all about that one. If you want to touch on it quick here so I'm brought more up to speed on it. I saw some little slur about more people using Facebook was one of his responses in there. I have no idea if that was what it was or not. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is from uh, The Guardian, and it says that this is the headline. Mark Zuckerberg pins major Facebook manifesto on how to burst the bubble. Uh, The 5,700-word mission statement reads like a State of the Union address tackling everything from fake news to growing anti-globalization sentiment. Uh, And I think that says just about enough, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This is going to get to the point, ladies and gentlemen, where you're not going to be allowed to know the truth. You're just not going to be allowed to know the truth. There will come a time when this broadcast won't be permitted. And it's a whole lot closer than you think it is. Um, All we need is an international incident to lock everything down. And you don't – your Facebook page isn't yours, ladies and gentlemen. You don't own it. Mark Zuckerberg does. It's his private property, Facebook is. And me and Brian were talking about this yesterday. That, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a YouTube channel, it's not yours. Now that's that's fiction. YouTube owns it. It's not yours. It never was. And I think that by the time this comes once around the ride, it's going to leave people. Well, it's going to create a shock and awe effect uh, when. Not only your cell phone towers go down, so your phone can't get an internet connection, it really won't matter, those people that have still have landlines. I mean, do you really think they can't turn YouTube off? Do you really think Mark Zuckerberg can't wake up one day and say, turn the servers off? They're his. He owns them. He can do whatever he wants. I mean… You realize he could retire right now and shut the whole thing down. He could do it right now. Do you realize how many people would be disconnected if they did that? They think they have these great, big, huge networking systems when no, they don't. You pull the rug out from under them that they're standing on, flip that rug over and show them that the name on the tag is Mark Zuckerberg… And it's over. You're not in a network. 
You're standing in a wheat field all by yourself among the sea of golden grain. And ladies and gentlemen, no nobody is legally forcing Facebook to stay open. Nobody's forcing Google saying they have to have YouTube open. Do they, Brian? Do people not realize this? Oh, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it blows my mind. I mean, you can ask Brian if if you have a website, if it's not on your computer, if it's if you don't own the server, it's not yours. It never was. Uh, Brian and I used to have. I think one of them was GoDaddy, right, Brian? That wasn't our site, was it? It was their. Server so so GoDaddy could shut it off anytime they wanted to, correct? Yeah, and I had mine completely dismantled out from under me and could not even get control of it again. Once again, hundreds of dollars down the tube for an IP and everything else, and I had to shut it down. So, ladies and gentlemen, they could completely cut you off from the rest of the world. Look at he split. Because you sure as fire can't trust your local printed newspapers, can you? I mean, really, you actually really think that your local newspaper is owned by local citizens of your city. That's a pathetic joke. No, they can tell you whatever they want to tell you. They own it. It's theirs. So, Brian, why don't you jump here and give my voice a break? Um, Plenty to talk about, but I did want to touch on that lightly. Uh, How he put that, and he had the power to say that, to burst the world, the the world's bubble. He, He actually said that, and I liked how he said it, read like the State of the Union address, but let's move on from here, as serious as that sounds. I hope everybody listened to me, Brian. They don't own their YouTube channel. You don't own your website, ladies and gentlemen, unless you have the server in your house. And they can turn your internet connection off at will. I hope everybody realizes that service techs now, that's all mirage. I have a service tech for the cable company that's a good friend of mine. That's a mirage, ladies and gentlemen. That's just to bill you money. As long as the router is not broken, physically broken, they can tap those buttons at the office. There's no purpose for servicemen. They just do that to charge you money. I really do hope you realize that. Because technically, if something is physically wrong with your router, you can call them. They can tell you so, and you can take it, you know, you can disconnect it, take it to them, and they'll give you another one. There's no purpose for service people anymore. There's not. <laughs> I'm not not lying to you. Bri, why don't you talk about some news and give my voice a break? Ready? <clears throat> All right. Let's see here. First on the uh, plate. Maritime activity raging as Navy ships in the Mediterranean display their presence. On the backdrop of the Syrian civil war, 
Navy missile vault fighters are finding themselves sea deep in work facing dozens of warships in the international waters of the Mediterranean. Article basically goes on to point out there's all sorts of different uh, countries out here with their warships floating around. Um, Last week, a Turkish warship approached an Israeli Navy missile boat in the international waters of the Mediterranean, a few kilometers from Israel's shores. Despite tensions thawing between the countries, the adopted stance in such situations is usually one of respect them and suspect them. Sailors already had a clear sight on their counterparts when all of a sudden the Turkish ship took a stance that could have easily been interpreted as threatening. However, after a few minutes of tense radio silence, the Turks continued on their way, friction averted. And if you've been keeping an eye on these varied uh, news stories concerning these warships, we've had a couple of close calls with Iranian ships in the Persian Gulf. Why we're there in the first place is beyond me, but nonetheless, I guess that's typical United States uh, policy is to meddle where we don't belong. Uh, This article goes on to point out, okay, we got the increased presence of Israeli missile boats amidst the American, Russian, French, Turkish, British, Italian, and Greek warships is intentional. A lack of presence in these crucial times in an area that is of strategic significance to Israel would make it that much harder to later return to force. So this basically, this one came out of Ynet News. Let's see here, what do we got here? Skip that one. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and obviously somebody picked up on this in the last week. Uh, Jordan set to play a more important role in Middle East. King Abdullah of Jordan was the first Arab leader to meet with U.S. President Trump while officials in Amman have been speaking to Washington on behalf of the Palestinian whose overtures Trump has so far rebuffed. The meeting between Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and U.S. President Donald Trump will be closely watched in Jerusalem, of course, but just as closely in Amman, less than 50 well miles away. Jordan's King Abdullah has already met the American president, although briefly, and a second one-on-one meeting is scheduled soon. Folks, you should know that we need to keep an eye on Jordan, or a.k.a. the Sons of Lot. And as we warned, they brought up here in this article as well, he was at the prayer breakfast that just happened a couple weeks ago. Poll suggests four NATO states want Russia to protect them from security threats. Residents of four NATO member states would prefer a military alliance with Russia if their countries were attacked. This is evidenced by results of a global survey conducted among residents by of 66 countries by sociologists from Win/Gallup International. Russia was chosen by residents Bulgaria, Greece, Slovenia, and Turkey as the main guarantor of their security. In case of an attack, all these countries want to see Russian forces fighting on their side, the survey revealed. And to take note in here, twice now we've had Greece come up. Everybody's not aware they're in the midst of another bailout due to financial 
crisis it. And uh, let's see here. This article is going on on top of it. We had the talks going on in Cyp- uh, concerning Cyprus and where Turkey is occupying half of that island. There's been nonstop negotiation talks, and Cyprus got up and walked out this week. So, full well, apparently here, it definitely has a lot to do with that. Uh, Dutch MP Gert Wilder. This is a guy that's in the running for uh, office there that's the far right wing uh, leader that everybody's got their eye on is possibly being a dangerous nationalist about to come into play there. Uh, He launches an election campaign by calling immigrants scum. Dutch Freedom Party MP and media lightning rod Gert Wilders launched his election campaign February 18 by once again attacking his country's Moroccan minority population, calling them, well, a lot of them scum. In an echo of Donald Trump's successful U.S. presidential campaign, the far-right politician also said he wanted to make the Netherlands ours again. Oh, boy. Conflict of interest. China finally awards Trump trademark after one China chat. China's trademark office announced the trademark registration for a Trump construction service business in China on its website this week. A turn of events some Democrats are saying presents a clear conflict of interest for the U.S. president. Now, this is kind of ironic because I recall after he got into office that he claimed that he um, put all of his business ventures to rest. And here, all of a sudden, in China, we've got a trademark going into place. Wow. Okay, now this one... uh, I don't think we ever touched on this. We had multiple blasts occurred at a gas cylinder deposit site in southeastern France. Now, on the side of energy and explosions, we had, Matthew, do you recall, I think it was something like four nuclear power plants magically had explosions take place over the course of the last couple of weeks here. And as of yet, you have any mention to see any mention of terror strikes possibly brought into the equation on this. Yeah, it was it was several of them. I think you're right. I think it was four different plants, perhaps five. And nobody said the magical word, and they just expect everybody to be idiots. Brian, you don't have four explosions at four nuclear plants and everything's normal. No, 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 no. Those were obviously coordinated attacks, and it just amazed me how the word terror never came into it at all, period. Uh, Which just kind of blew me away. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that happened over the course of the past couple of weeks. You can't find anything about it because when I do my news searches uh, every day so I can post on the social networking site on the End Time Tribune feed… Uh, can't find anything out about it. Can't find anything about it, Bri. So, I don't know what the deal with is. Back to you. 
You know what I mean? That's what that one is a little on the amazing side, how it just disappears off the radar. I mean, that nuclear power plants being targeted is big news. Or to get swept in. Let's see here. Moving on. Uh, Pakistan, main port city, harboring anti-India jihadists, says an international crisis group. Report by International Crisis Group points at active collaboration between Pakistani security establishment and anti-India jihadist groups, a claim that New Delhi has long pursued at many international forums. I don't know how many people are aware of the tension between India and Pakistan, but the split. Pakistan used to be part of India, folks, and I think maybe when I refer to some things, Concerning India, and then I bring up Pakistan and its place that may confuse people. We have to understand that that Pakistan used to be a part of India. So let's move on here. Russia, Iran, and Turkey to sign final document of Astana Fox, says source. Russia, Iran, and Turkey will sign the final document of the Astana meeting soon, a source in one of the delegations told Sputnik. See here, Russia, Iran, and Syria, Turkey, the guarantors of the Syria ceasefire agreement will sign the final document of the Astana meeting. The opposition and the government delegations will not do so, a source in one of the delegations told Sputnik. Yes, the document was agreed. It will be signed by Russia, Turkey, and Iran. Okay, it just continues to repeat itself in circles here, so I'm not going to keep reading it. You know, and I have to ask the um, atypical question. Now, yeah, they sign a sign a document of ceasefire, countries that aren't even in uh, Syria, nowhere in the mix, and yet somehow this is going to bring about a ceasefire. We've seen how well that works in the past, everybody. Let's see here. Radiation expert claims Syria is plagued with radioactive contamination because the U.S. used depleted uranium weaponry and gave it to terrorists to fight Assad. This story's been floating around all over the place throughout the last week, folks. I've seen it in several news sources. All righty. Now back on to the Medes becoming a nation. Uh, President... President Mossad Barzani discusses independence seriously with Vice President Pence. And this is the uh, Kurdish president's folks in uh, Erbil, Iraq. See here. President Barzani seriously discussed the issue of Kurdistan independence with the U.S. Vice President Mike Pence on Saturday in Munich. Barzani's senior advisors who also attended both leaders' meeting, told Ruda TV. This is still, there's been continual talks about this taking place here, folks. And, I mean, Kurdistan itself, what was ever declared a nation, is a very large, large, uh, I guess, in ancient terms, empire. Let's see here. Russian foreign minister, we need a post-West world order. Russian foreign minister Sergei Larov at the Munich Security Conference on Saturday said Russia sees NATO as a Cold War institution and is hoping 
for the creation of a post-West world order. Rather interesting his wording there. Iran seeks global domination. Netanyahu outlines danger of Iranian regime on Fox News, says U.S. as much a target of Ayatollahs as Israel. See, Netanyahu said that Iran represents the biggest threat because it would couple a radical Islamic regime with nuclear weapons. There could be evil that is not threatening because it doesn't have the powers of mass murder. But when you couple a radical Islam regime that says death to America with the weapons of mass death, then you have a much, much bigger problem. He accused the Iranian regime of seeking to bring down the U.S. as part of its goal of global domination. They believe that they are destined to govern the world. Anybody that doesn't agree with them, they'll be able to subjugate or kill, and they're working on the means to achieve that. So, again, I've told people to watch Kurdistan and keep an eye on Iran. We should be expecting to watch those two rise. And, well, there was the news on it. Out of Germany, we have an article here. These settlements in Israel could lead to war. German... Germany's foreign minister, Sigmar Gabriel, on Thursday warned that building more Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria could end the proposal of a two-state solution and fuel conflict in the region. Move on here. Okay, I already covered that one earlier. Lebanese president issues warning to Israel. Lebanese President Michael Aoun issued a warning to Israel on Saturday saying any Israeli attempt to violate Lebanon's sovereignty would be met with appropriate response. Any attempt to hurt Lebanese sovereignty or expose the Lebanese to danger will find the appropriate response, said in a statement from Aoun's office, which was quoted by Reuters. Statements said that Aoun was reacting to a recent remark in a letter to the United Nations by Israel's UN Ambassador Danny Dannon, which it claimed amounted to a mass attempt to threaten security and stability in southern Lebanon. Statement was unclear as to which letter by Dannon it was referring to. In November, Dannon refailed intelligence to the Security Council, which shows that Iran is using civilian flights to Lebanon to send arms and ammunition to Hezbollah. Dannon cautioned the Security Council that Iran is in a blatant violation of numerous Security Council resolutions, including resolutions 2231 and 1701. Resolution 1701 put in place the ceasefire ending the Second Lebanon War with Hezbollah. Statement marks the second time in recent weeks that the Lebanese president has attacked Israel. See here. Turkey says U.S. not insisting on Kurdish role in Raqqa operation. Turkey's defense minister said on Thursday the new U.S. administration has a more flexible approach to Syria and is not insisting on the Kurdish YPG militia being involved in the operation to drive Islamic State 
from its raucous stronghold. And there was another couple of articles that were released uh, that I noticed earlier that I don't have up right now, but right now as we speak, Turkey is also getting ready to start targeting the Kurdish forces that are inside of Syria that are fighting against Assad's regime. So here we have it once again, Turkey just doing its um, atypical... Maneuvers there in uh, the Middle East. See, now we get to move on to the good old Trump effect. Trump administration to expand groups of immigrants to be deported. The Trump administration plans to direct immigration agents to greatly expand the categories of immigrants they target for deportation According to drafts of two memos seen by Reuters and first reported by McClatchy News Organization on Sunday. This basically goes on to say that there was some supposed memos that leaked out or whatever into the public and more are going to be put on this list and so forth. So I guess we're just going to have to wait and see on this one. And we've kind of side skipped over this one. And it's about time to bring this up because some big uh, big news happened when Flynn was sort of busted for Michael Flynn, who was the person about to be appointed to remember exactly what the position was. But nonetheless, it was found out that he was talking behind the scenes concerning embargoes placed on Russia because of the Ukrainian crisis. U.S. inquiries into Russian election hacking, including three FBI probes. And look, folks, I had warned about this time and time again during the election cycle that all kinds of things were going to start coming to the forefront concerning Russian involvement and uh, connections and so forth, and it is all over the place now. So I just guess I find it rather ironic that it People are a little slow to bat. What happened with Michael Flynn here was actually reported during the election cycle. This was already known then. So why this has all of a sudden come to the forefront now, all kinds of rather ironic, I would have to say. Right at the last minute. I mean, I would have to agree with you right at the last minute. It's like they choose what stream they want the populace's minds to go down. Ladies and gentlemen, we're down to the last 12 minutes of the show. Let's get back to this. This uh, this fish kill was uh, in Qatar, and I love the picture because... The people cleaning up the dead carcasses of the dolphins, they're driving Z71 brand spanking new Chevy pickup trucks in Qatar. Now, we just talked about Qatar on the last broadcast uh, that we covered news because, well, it was 34 degrees in Qatar. Never been 34 degrees in the desert there before. But uh, they've got not only... uh, Dead dolphins, but a few sea turtles, uh, obviously, uh, were being cleaned up on the beaches there in Qatar. 
is this related to the temperature? No, I would say not because they reported nothing on the on the sea temperature. This article, though, is greatly related to the temperature. Gigantic bats are dying upside down, making Australia's heat wave look like a horror movie. And believe me, the pictures in this article are really off the charts. If you've ever seen Australia's gray-headed flying fox, you know that they're obviously terrifying. Uh, with an average wingspan of three feet, uh, these threatened animals are sometimes called megabats. But if you haven't really seen terrifying until you've seen flying foxes dying by the hundreds, which is precisely what's happening down under right now. Most of Australia's experienced an absolute insane heat wave this weekend. And while there are some heartening images being circulated on social media, like of this koala getting a drink of water from a helpful human hand, the deaths of the gigantic freak bats is both sad and haunting to watch. At least a hundred flying foxes have died in South Australia so far as temperatures in the state reach 113 degrees Fahrenheit. The flying foxes are literally dying upside down in the trees. Uh, other videos show dozens of animals lying along the road sign. It legitimately looks like something out of a horror movie. As ABC News Australia explains, people are advised not to touch the dead animals because they carry disease like the Hindra virus. But it's not just dead animals that are making Australia look post-apocalyptic. To make matters worse, the eastern states of Australia is currently experiencing terrible wildfires. In fact, the state of New South Wales, uh, the one with Sydney, uh, for those that are not up on Australian uh, geography, still has 30 uncontained fires as of Sunday night local time. It is the worst day we've seen in the history of NSW when it comes to fire danger ratings and fire danger conditions, Rural Service Commissioner Shane Fistimmons told reporters today. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a terrible blow to these flying foxes because they're already on the endangered list. Uh, this came out uh, the very same day. Penguin deaths investigated. More than 20 dead penguins and comorots have been found at Westhead Beach and Greens Beach. More than 20 dead penguins and comorots have been found at beaches in states north, as reports came from other places around the state. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, those penguins don't even belong there. Why are they washing up dead? An expert said it wasn't uncommon in Tasmania to see one or two dead penguins on beaches, but the numbers reported in Greens Beach and Westhead Beach sound unusual. So here we go again. They try to tell you that all the way in Tasmania, it's normal for dead penguins to wash up on shore. Ladies and gentlemen, something is terribly wrong. This one uh, was reported in the heraldstandard.com. Brutal western U.S. winter has been terrible for animals. Antelope injured while falling on ice, horses stranded on snowy mountains, and cougars descending from their wilderness lairs to forage in towns. 
It has been a beastly winter in the American West, not just for people, but for animals, too. One storm after another has buried much of the region in snow, and temperatures have often stayed below freezing, endangering a rich diversity of wild animals. In southern Idaho, we seem to be talking about Idaho a whole lot here on this broadcast. About 500 pronghorn antelope tried to cross the Frozen Snake River earlier this month at Lake Walcott. But part of the herd spooked and ran into a slick spot where they slipped and fell. <clears throat> now, this stranded them, and they were trying uh, to rescue them, but uh, 10 were killed by coyotes, and 20 had to be euthanized because of the in injuries they suffered. Heavy snow has forced Idaho's Fish and Game Department to begin emergency feeding of big game animals in southern Idaho. That's where I'll stop that, right there. Why hasn't people been told this, that they have started an emergency feeding operation? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a whole lot more dangerous than one might think. We're down to six minutes. i got to cover this. This is straight from Berkeley News. UC Berkeley, NASA, looking for citizen scientists to help find Planet Nine. No, I'm not joking. I am reading this from the Berkeley website. Elusive planets and dim-filled stars may be lurking beyond the edges of our solar system, and astronomers from NASA and UC Berkeley want the public's help to hunt them down. Through a new website called Backyard Worlds Planet Nine, Anybody can now help search for objects far beyond the orbit of our furthest planet, Neptune, by viewing a brief flickbook movies made from images captured by NASA's Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer, also known as the WISE mission. A faint spot seen moving through the background of stars might be a brand new distant planet orbiting the sun or a nearby brown dwarf. That's what they said, not me. I was just reading it. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is real. And Brian and I have already discussed with you, I've published papers on it, what it is biblically. It's actually named in the scripture. But anyway, um, that proper name is not Wormwood, uh, but it is there in the scripture. So, ladies and gentlemen, the rubber's beginning to hit the road. Um, something is terribly wrong, obviously. So I strongly suggest uh, that if you want to keep up to speed on exactly what's going on, on a weekly basis, I mean, it's phenomenal how in a very short span amount of time that we've started back the End Time Tribune, the phenomenal amount of important news that comes in from Saturday to Saturday on a weekly basis. It's off the charts. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't even cover all of the fish and bird kills that's gone on across the whole globe. I mean, I lightly uh, mentioned it uh, about the manatees. Uh, we've got here in Windsor, uh, Thousands of fish have been washing up in New York. Uh, I don't. I don't know what to say. 
it's just absolutely off the charts. So we're definitely heading somewhere, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's not a very good place. Now, I did want to talk about this because me and Brian have to discuss this. Doggone it, we're done the last three minutes. Brian, did you take a look at his article where the biblical artifacts provide reassurance about Earth's magnetic field? Uh, the other one I posted was ceramic pottery reveals an ancient geomagnetic field spike. We need to ask Brian about this right now. Um, this is off the charts, Brian, because I'm going to read directly from the article. More than 2,500 years ago uh, in the ancient Near East, the Earth's geomagnetic field was going gangbusters. During the late 8th century B.C., new study finds that the magnetic field that surrounds the planet was temporarily 2.5 times stronger than it is today. Researchers uh, now know that these fluctuations, thanks to the bureaucracy of Judah, an ancient kingdom situated around what is now Jerusalem, pottery jugs from between the 8th and 2nd centuries B.C. bear administrative stamps uh, that changed with the political situation. Ladies and gentlemen, one of these shards they're talking about is from Hezekiah, and they have proven beyond any shadow of a doubt the magnetosphere, the magnetic field around Judah spiked. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we just talked about this on last night's broadcast. Brian, what's your thoughts on this being discovered around the rise of the Assyrian invasion of the Promised Land. This is off the charts, Brian. What's your thoughts on it real quick? Well, definitely. I had seen that one earlier in the week, you know, and explained to people how they're able to measure this. At the time of the firing of the pottery, it basically, you know, hard freezes the clay, and it essentially keeps that magnetic... Uh, measurement you know essentially within the clay so that's how they're able to notice this this has been uh one of the varied items they've been using are towards using uh towards dating of certain odds and ends that are found because you know obviously you've got your carbon dating which is or what is it c14 which has been proven to be very unreliable and if you know anything about archaeological dating systems you're going to find just about all of them are vastly prone to inaccuracies. So it's definitely interesting. They found that and tied that right into Hezekiah, you know, and that even goes into that seal that was found sometime back when you think about it. That was rather um, interesting, and we still have yet to see any documentation concerning what is really being pointed out with that rather interesting downturned... Uh, bird of prey there on that seal last year. Yep. I was hoping you would mention that, but ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize that the Lord your God just gave you a sign? At least I hope you did. I hope you caught it. Now we know what to look for that's going to happen around the time this happens. This could very well, well, I think I've said enough about that. I think all of us need to uh, check, uh, keep our eye on the magnetic field of the Earth. And if it starts spiking, I guess you'll know why. 
ladies and gentlemen, that's the it that's it for this broadcast. Until next time, God bless, Godspeed. Bryce, say your goodbyes and I'll take us out of here. Thanks for joining us tonight or day. Good morning, wherever you're at in the world when listening to this. 